This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Chapter Tactics, your 40k podcast, which focuses on playing warmer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. I'm your host, Petey Pob, and with me, I have Valentine the Pudge, Heffelfinger. Hey, you're giving away my 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 secret. If anyone knows that secret and gets it in the next 20 seconds, they deserve to know that secret. There you go. Thank you for having me, Pablo. Good to be back. Hello, everybody. I have, I have uh, Peter... Swooping in from the north, the Falcon Colissimo. Hey guys, thanks for having me, as always. And the honest wargamer, Rob. Hi everyone, how are you? So honest. <laughs> that energy is crackling, guys. <laughs> well, everyone had such a muted start. I was like, okay, just a gentle, polite introduction. Hello. This is a marathon, not a race, okay? This isn't the Honest Wargamer. We're not all oh, ramped wow. up. Wow. I'm here this for a good sober time, analysis. not a long time. <laughs> so, so um, if, if you... If you uh, I, I just take a, taking a moment to pull up in another tab. If you're if you're online, if you're driving, don't do it right now. Just do it later. Uh, check out Rob at the Honest Wargamer. And also, check out Peter... Fal- Peter... I was, I'm just going to say Pete's. I'm just going to call you Pete, Peter. Uh, Peter's uh, stats website it's 40kstats.com very simple and it's going to be a lot of what we're using and talking about is going to be pulled from this data so it's, it's really cool check that out that's 40k stats 40 the number 40k stats.com dot com i think they think they got it val oh haven't Valentine. you haven't you ever heard other podcast advertisements it's always oh, like no. that's oh, dick pills d-i-c-k-a-p-i-l-l-s <laughs> The sponsorships have really gone downhill on some of these casts recently. Petey Pat would kill for that. I need a a generic robot lady to start shouting out random sponsors. Uh, Anyways, so just some quick announcements, guys. We're going to... Uh, I'm going to issue a little bit of a schedule change for Chapter Tactics. Uh, So lately, I've been recording uh, on Mondays and also posting every Tuesday morning monday night tuesday morning um the regular episodes and what they've been is they've been the the special 40k 101 episodes where we talk about the different phases of the game Uh, i'm still going to continue to record those however i'm going to record a regular episode of chapter tactics and release that every tuesday with tournament coverage a topic guests all that jazz and then the 101 episodes are now going to take the slot of the special 
episode that I release later on in the week. I haven't decided an official date on it yet, um, but the reason why I'm doing this is because tournaments are happening every week, uh, and so to keep tournament coverage fresh and updated for you guys, uh, because I feel like it's a lot it's a lot of what you guys tune in for. Um, so that's good. It's going to be we're going to have weekly tournament coverage during the regular show, and then we're going to have special episodes where we talk about the 101 and any any other topics I want to add in on top of that. Uh, also, tune in this later on this week for the shooting phase episode. I've got Nick Nanavati, Don Hewson, and Mitch Pelham all on for the show. Uh, all of them are very, very phenomenal players. They've all won very, very large tournaments, so should be a blast. And then, if you want to be Unintended a major sponsor... Like, <laughs> <laughs> shooters, <laughs> blast. Anyways... <laughs> uh, if you want to be a major sponsor of the podcast, thank you for bringing that up, Val. Uh, hit me up, frontlinegamingpdpop at gmail.com. Especially if you're a tournament organizer, uh, I'd just like to give you a quick shout-out to the Iron Halo. They are they were a major sponsor for the past year, and their event has grown significantly. They hit 100 players this year. Uh, I went, I attended their event two years in a row. I I was a shoutcaster on their Twitch stream. I helped out Jason with a lot of analytics and a lot of just tournament things. Um, and it, they've really grown and benefited from that major sponsorship. So if you're a TO and you, you want to take your event to the next level, hit me up. We can work something out. And hopefully we can make your event a major two-day event in 40K. Uh, and then, of course, the stats that we're going to cover today from BCP and 40kstats.com are going to be posted in the show notes on frontlinegaming.org under chapter tactics. So you guys can check that out for download or anything else and draw your own data and conclusions. On to the main topic. So today uh, we're going to be talking about a little bit about the tournaments that I've missed over the past two months. Basically since after Nova, we're going to talk about really quickly, briefly, the two day 50 plus player events uh, and their undefeated players. Just give them all a brief rundown. And then we're going to talk about the 40k stats that Peter pulled up. And we're going to kind of compare, compare post FAQ and pre FAQ stats together. And we're going to we're going to kind of analyze them and just kind of look at what, you know, faction versus faction breakdowns are because there's a lot of really good meaty data in here. And I think there's a lot of stuff we can look at and um, hopefully we can predict a little bit more about what's going to happen in the future. Uh, obviously, orcs are that giant curveball wah, that, I guess, giant mm, wah curveball so curvy. in the background. <laughs> they got all them curves, eh, Rob? Mm. So green. So, oh, so green. green. Rippling, rippling yeah. curves. Powerful. Just imagine a, an orc throwing a curveball at like the 40k meta orcs an orc is kind of the uh like the spanish waiter equivalent to the meta that is to your marriage <laughs> right i was gonna say on a, on just as a uh, erudite level um orcs are less of a curveball more of that that high inside heater coming right at your face <coughs> and it's gonna sure. hurt mm, sports Mm -hmm. I agree. <laughs> uh, was there a cricket version of that analogy, Rob? Yeah, it's called a googly. A oh, googly. It's a googly. Googly. Mm, that sticky wicket. Gonna a get googly, it. a googly ball. A googly ball. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, uh, some, sometimes they bowl it, hoping that the batter hits it and it's caught by silly mid-off. All this is I real. Think any of that was. <laughs> All this is real. <laughs> Do you play cricket, Rob? I used to play cricket when I was a teenager. Yeah. 
Oh, okay. Is that like your your little leagues, like your your beginner league things that everyone plays? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Maybe football's the predominant sport, but cricket's pretty cool. All right, right on. Did you ever have any two-day games? Uh, yeah, had my nose broken a couple of times. I was a oh, wicket yeah. keeper, which I don't know if you know what that job is. It's to stand behind the batter as the bowler throws the ball as hard as they can at the batter. You're going to try and catch it afterwards. So like a, a I don't know what it is in baseball. A catcher. Like a catcher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, one last cricket aside, because I think this is absolutely hilarious. My favorite thing about cricket is that all of the innovation in cricket in like the last 20 years and its rising popularity has to do with the fact that they've been like, what if we didn't play for two days, but, <laughs> but we played for maybe four hours? <laughs> and like this just revolutionized cricket. Uh, I think I think the late licensing also revolutionized cricket. Anyway, I don't know anything. That's just I thought that. Was <laughs> Continuing back to forty k. Uh, my bad. On on the sports news. <clears throat> Cue the sports music that I have yet to find. Oh, you oh you want some sports center in the background? Oh yeah, it's gonna play in the background. Excellent. No, okay, so we'll all imagine not, that. It's not just imagine that. Just da 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 da. Whatever. <laughs> all right. Da 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 da. The beginning of September, we had Attack X. 40K 2018 up in British Columbia, Canada, with Mc- 80 players. Congratulations to Alex McDougal. Podcast Attack- nemesis, Alex McDougal. Po- Podcast nemesis. Did you attend Attack X, Val? I, no, that is one million miles from where I live. It's Canada. I, I, all I hear is, is failure and, <laughs> and laziness. Alex McDougal, big kudos, won it with Tyranids. Uh, Devin Crucio also coming in undefeated with Thousand Suns. And then the Dice Hammer Warmer 40k GT in sunny SoCal with 50 players. James Carmona, Mr. Perennial Bridesmaid, finally winning something in 8th edition with his Alpha Legion. And Alex Hernandez coming in second place undefeated with his Harlequins. Harlequins are so good at killing knights. And Alex Hernandez did that to the tune of, I believe, six knights killed that tournament. Nice. And then... That's all they're good at, though. All, all they're good at is, is killing is killing knights. Uh, all five Harlequin players know this. <laughs> Moving on to the Frozen North Battle Zone Ursa in Anchorage, Alaska. Forty-four players, which, if you're counting Alaskan, if you're counting Alaskan population, is equal to one LVO in Alaska. Uh, Matthew Goodwin winning, going undefeated with Imperial Knights. Um, fun fact about Matthew Goodwin: whenever he loses a game. He says he he won. He still played tactically perfect, even though luck might have not been on his side. So, luckily, he played tactically perfect at the Battle Zone Ursa and went undefeated with Knights. The Harvester of Souls happened. Uh, 58 players in Spokane, Washington. Our very own Sean Morgan won with Tau, and I believe he retired Tau, and he's going to be playing Inari. Don't quote me on that. And Colin Sherman of the Mugu Legion with High Fleet Kraken. Going, both going undefeated there. Time for my favorite named event, the Battle in the Bush in Australia, New South Wales. 57 players battling out in that bush, that Australian bush. Uh, deep Lee in Abbey, that bush. Deep, deep, deep. This got sexual as soon as I assumed it would. Whoa, whoa, whoa. There's like spiders and stuff in there. Different kind of bush, man. There's definitely a snake or two. Probably just one snake. Still sexual. About- 
Lee Abbey, Lee Abbey and Joshua Brody conquering the bush with Chaos Demons, as is appropriate. Probably both running Slash Armies, though I doubt it. The Michigan GT happened with over 100 players. Uh, Elliot Levi did get the most battle points, though they did not record it on BCP, so we don't have exact data for them. So we're just going to skip Elliot Levi and his Inari performance. As there was also... happened in that... Go ahead. We'd be remiss to not point out uh, someone else's performance beat. Oh, are we talking about uh, Mr. Jim Vessel with his mm thousand gorgeous Thousand Sons Army? Mr. Jim Vessel with his gorgeous Thousand Sons Army. He's a local yeah, hero course. from here in the GTA, so a big shout yeah. out to Jim. The fact that he's from Canada and we only have about eight people, it, he's just a hero in general to our country. Yeah. So, and six uh, of them play 40K <laughs> somehow, so it's crazy. It's true. He's going to be on our $5 bill. <laughs> he's going to become the fourth... Move over, Wilfred Laurier. <laughs> Justin Bieber is number one, right? He's on your $100 bill, I imagine. That is Prime Minister Borden, okay? Not Bieber. <laughs> Prime Minister Bieber? Moving on. To the Iron Halo over in the religious, heavily religious, Bartlesville, Oklahoma. Uh, hitting exactly 100 players because they're perfectionists. Nicholas Weiss won with Imperial Knights. And this is actually his first ever tournament. His dad, who also attended the tournament and did poorly, uh, was very, very proud of him. It was a very sweet thing to see. Uh, <laughs> And Bruce Merker also finishing up undefeated, beating Cody Middleton, coming back from one year of 8th edition retirement to come in second place undefeated with his Inari. Congratulations, Bruce and Nick. What's uh, the then 40K we retirement package like Like when you retire for a year? What's your pension plan? Well, in Cody Middleton's case, it means five children uh, and taking care of your, your wife oh. and uh, completely ignoring the rest of the 40K scene. Oh, I see. So no so, pension plan from what I'm gathering. No here. pension plan. It's that was that was mad real. Things got real <laughs> there. Uh, actually, I think he doesn't have five children. I'm sorry, Cody, if I got that wrong. Moving on to the Battle for Salvation with 73 or 72 players, depending on uh, what Pete said. Uh, over on the East Coast, the airing on the same day as the Iron Halo, the competing stream, both streams, by the way, fun fact, had a ground total of 10 to 11 viewers. <laughs> so... They were competing back and forth. Um, it was about 50-50 for the whole weekend. Tense. But it was it was a tense, tense struggle for, for those 10-11 viewers watching both streams. <coughs> Moving on, the East Coast coded as the, <laughs> the more competitive tournament, the first tournament, the first large tournament to actually feature the September FAQ. Uh, was a very good event. Sean Naden won the event with Eldar and Dark Eldar and Fun fact is Dark Eldar didn't need Cabal of the Blackheart. Uh, Vec 2? I, I, I couldn't even remember his name for a second. Anyways, congratulations, Sean Naden, for winning the Battle for Salvation. Uh, unfortunately, that event is not... Is, there was some kind of a weird error with the BCP stats there, so if you guys are looking for that event on BCP, um, be aware, you might not be able to find the best players, but they are in there and their lists. And then finally, rounding out the tournament use... Crucible 740k championships in sunny, sunny Florida with 66 players. Mr. John Lennon coming back from the dead with Harlequins. Oh, wow. And Jeff Beery with his Dark Eldar in other sports, Valentine. But this this is the part where you where you where you say something else about the tournament, something witty, and then and then we all laugh and then we move on to the next segment. 
Oh, but you took my John Lennon joke, so I was just scrambling for, for airtime here. I'm emotionally offended. <laughs> More of a... on the show, just so you can make a John Lennon joke. This is just... I wonder why I got asked. You know, it wasn't even a very good John Lennon joke, although it, it, it did have that patented, you know, British dark humor. It, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Dun, dun. There was a wide ellipses at the end of Rob's sentence there. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> There was, there was just so many jokes running through my head and I was like, no, no, don't make them wrong. <laughs> so, so that was that was all the tournaments that we missed uh, oh, while we were doing the 40k 101 series. I apologize to everyone if your tournament did come up late. Uh, if I forgot a tournament, if there was a tournament that had 15 more players and was two days, maybe it wasn't in Best Coast Pairings, maybe I didn't hear about it, go ahead and shoot me an email and I'll give you guys a shout out on the next episode. Also, congratulations to all the winners. Uh, one thing I would like to point out is there was actually a lot of diversity here in, in the, the undefeated lists. Um, if you kind of went down to the, the top eight lists, or so to speak, or all the people who only had one loss, um, there was definitely a lot of Imperial Knights and Astro Militarum, as expected. Uh, but it was just kind of pleasant to see how, how many people can win with a variety of lists. Uh, as I was looking through this, I didn't see a lot of, of lists that were identical. Um, and I also didn't see a lot of as much as you'd expect the the dreaded Castellan list with the Astro Militarum, Blood Angels, and Knights. Castellan. So, well, I cool. mean, we have 40K's best stats guy on the line right now. He has actually read and sorted and organized every single one of those lists. Do you have any any thoughts on that, or is uh, anything popping out to you out of those events, Peter? The, like, 18 events we just talked about? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh... Oh, you got me on the spot. All, all I'd say is that we were pretty sure we had the meta figured out, and I think we did. But there there was a lot of diversity, and I think uh, it would have sorted itself out given another month or two. I think, well, in, in the sort out may have just been Harlequins, but it would have it would have been a thing. So. Yeah, um, I think uh, you've uh, definitely seen not as many Knights players getting to the top. Uh, which is why it's kind of interesting to talk about those uh, those players that maybe get to that four and zero level. Um, yeah, why don't we, do we want to just talk about some stats? Like we can look at some big numbers, some of the some of the more aggregate stuff. Right on. So first things first, let's go ahead and talk about the overall faction breakdown for eighth edition uh, through BAO, right, Peter? Yeah, so it's uh, I have uh, going back to mid July, basically the uh, uh, the Imperial Knight uh, Codex launch. And that's right. how far I go back. I go, and so this is through two thousand seven hundred and sixty two unique lists, uh, three thousand six hundred and ten detachments, and thousands and thousands of games played. Yeah, we're just shy of four thousand games recorded. It'll uh, the uh, spreadsheet shows seven thousand nine hundred and twenty two, but you got to divide that by two because. People had to play each other, right? We weren't all playing robots. Well, right. mostly. Some of us play robots. Mm -hmm. I've played Brandon Grant at the BAO, actually. So. Wow. I've, I've played one robot. I lost. I'm 0-1 against the robotic menace. Yeah, Brandon Deep Blue Grant, as he is referred to. <laughs> uh, so, so looking at these numbers, uh, the number one detachment by not even close, I think doubling the next highest, almost doubling the next highest, is Astra Militarum. Uh, with 547 Astra Militarum detachments. Um, out of 2,700 lists, 
That's about roughly one in every five lists has an astromilitarism attachment. That's uh, across 34,000 games. Um, that is a lot of Astro Militarum. That is a lot of company commanders and a lot of infantry squads. <laughs> Do you think that that's going to go down? Or is it going to no, maintain that kind of I, level? No, it will not go down. It, you're, it is the cheap... It, so Imperium is the largest... It, it's con always consistently been the largest super faction across several editions now at this point. You know, because Space Marines and, and people love the like Assassins and the Inquisitors. Like, I get it. They're cool. I'm an Imperium player. Um... So it's the cheapest detachment that Imperium, the largest super faction, has access to for battle point, or I'm sorry, for command points. So you know you've got your three infantry guys, your two commanders, 180 points, five battle point or five command points. You're good. That's kind of like it's almost like an auto include if you need command points, which most which most lists need now at this point. So yeah, for those uh, for those of you out there who are interested, so of all these factions that were. Uh, recorded. I think there's about 28 of them that have, you know, uh, more than a couple games played. Uh, the meta basically breaks out as 18% Eldari, 17% Chaos, 18% Filthy Xenos, and 47% Imperium. So Imperium is like heads and shoulders above, but they also they also within them have you know 11 11 factions. So they almost you know, it makes sense that they would uh, that they would be uh, almost half the meta because right. they're almost half the factions. Well, one stat I like laughing at is um is Space Marines specifically. We're we're hitting in seventh edition. We're hitting numbers at forty percent, like un unprecedented numbers. J just a single faction within a super faction. Space Marines are at like forty percent. Um, and now that they're really bad, they're they're low. There's only, you know, there's still 157 Space Marine detachments, and those are pretty much all the, like, I love Space Marines, Black Templar guys, huzzah, you know? Yeah, when, when we first started looking at this stuff, like, way back when, uh, yeah, Space Marines were probably, like, somewhere around, clocking in around 20% of the meta, something like that, but now they're, right. they're, like, as a primary faction, they're down to about 5%. Which is a far cry from 40%. Uh, and then... Second most faction, uh, Imperial Knights. I, I predicted it when the Knight Codex came out. Uh, I think it was very easy to predict. It, it's Knights are just, they're good. They're super easy to carry around. Um, they're, they're really powerful. And there are a ton of Knights left over from what the Adamantine Lance in 7th edition. Um, so, that, you know, they're just the kind of like the go-to faction. Uh, yeah. I mean, they're it, just, they're, I think a lot of it has, this is me just spitballing here, but I think, actually, I think you got it backwards, by the way, Pablo. It's, I, Imperial Knights are the... Biggest slice of the meta right now, if I'm not mistaken, they're coming in at 14% of all of the lists in this in this sample. Um, okay. And so then and then uh, and then right behind them is Astro Militarum at nine percent. You could probably assume that mo a lot of guard armies will have a knight in it, or, and vice versa. But uh, yeah, Pete they're would like have peanut butter that. and jelly. I, I would imagine it, they're like peanut butter and jelly. Yeah, I it's would just, say it's such a fun. Oh, sorry, Pete. After you. Yeah. For, no, you go right ahead. I was gonna say it's You're such. You're not gonna a, win the politeness battle. <laughs> um, I was gonna say it's such a fun army as well. Like like ease of use. Like you you know you yeah. can you can say I'm gonna go for a wait away for a weekend and my stress levels are gonna be ultimately incredibly low. It's very few decisions. It's super simple to do. Your turns are quick. Um, like the, the the impact on you as a gamer is quite low, but your success chances are quite high. It, 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 it's so attractive to want to pick up and play, um, yeah. the, which is why I see. I think you're going to see big numbers, possibly even bigger numbers in the future. 
Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and one other one other thing um for for those of you who maybe are wondering like, "Oh, this is this is ITC missions only." Uh actually uh Peter has a stat or has a breakdown so that you can actually break down lists that and events that did not use the ITC format. Um, and in those, Astro Militarum still have the most detachments uh, with Knights coming in second, and then Knights are still the top faction, and Astro Militarum are the second most used faction. So it, it's, I would say it's pretty safe to say that's universal. Um, and if I were GW and I were to draw conclusions from this data in particular, uh, I would be weary of, of, any, of making any Imperium faction really powerful because i'd say that those are probably the most used factions and they're the e most likely to stagnate the meta and and become over centralizing so like and what i mean by that is if like next year uh gw came around and just made sisters of battle like super op uh i would i would probably think that we'd start seeing like 30 percent you know usage for sisters if they made them really, especially if Plastic Sisters came out. But, you know, we would probably see Sisters of Battle everywhere. And the same would be true of Space Marines and all the Space Marine flavors, uh, as well as, as Guard. When Guard were really powerful, there were a lot of Guard that we saw everywhere. Um, pretty much the only faction that was resistant to that was Custodes. Uh, when Custodes were good, we did see a lot of them, but we didn't see those giant numbers. We still saw smaller numbers for Custodes, and that just might be because of the model's availability, because it was such a new army. Um... Though I imagine in a year, if Custodes were up again and really powerful, they'd probably hit those numbers too. If you look at the secondary detachment data, which is present on this, um, so that pans out for Astro Militarum, they're like bananas. So like there's 414 secondary uh, Astro Militarum detachments. Mm -hmm. But once you get down there, you basically see the usual suspects of, of you know the soup components. So you have Azurani, Drukari, um, and then Chaos Demons, and then also you have Imperial Knights and Blood Angels. So you can sort of see what the strongest pieces of those various soups are in, in the secondary detachment data. Right. It, yeah, like you said, the, the Astromil term secondary detachments, 1,600, there's 1,600 secondary, or 1,600 games played where the Astromilitarum detachment was a secondary detachment, <laughs> as opposed to 758 games played where Astromilitarum was primary. Yeah. Um, that is crazy. They are the premier ally right now, um, followed yeah. by Blood Angels, I think. With no, no Imperial Knights, excuse me. Uh, and then after Imperial Knights, it's Blood Angels and Azuryarni, or mixed Eldar detachments and Dark Eldar. Yeah. So uh, no one's allying in Death Watch with only eleven games played where Death Watch were the allies, even though I think they're a really great ally army. Well, maybe you know some of the meta doesn't. You got to go out there. No, I, I would press your competitive advantage. I would just prove the fact that Death Watch is bad. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Death Watch will have their day. I think come chapter approved. Uh, it's it's my it's my future vision. If orcs are amazing, I think Death Watch will have their day. That uh, that stratagem they have to basically negate an orc charge, I think, will be very very helpful in the future. Yep. Or will commit Commissar Yark just get plugged into all of these lists? And well, that will also be a thing. Is that, <laughs> yeah. Also, shout out to all the people who played Dark Angels. Um, you know, you guys had the least amount of allies. You guys had, uh, there were almost no Dark Angels players that ran Dark Angels that didn't make them the primary detachment. So yeah, it's, they're it's, the purest uh, Space Marine army. 
It's, well, it's very, very rare sure. to see anybody not go pure Dark Angels. And it right. probably has to do with the expense you have to pay to get to go Ravenwing. Uh, you might as well just go all the way. Right, and then, and then Blood Angels, of course, are the exact opposite. They are the Space Marine horror faction uh, of the meta. Um, <laughs> they, they realize that, that they cannot offer fully uh, their services, um, that they must provide their services to as many of the Imperium uh, armies as they can. Um, to gain influence within the Imperium. Yeah, those uh, so. Smash Captains and your three units of Scouts. Uh, Chief Librarian <laughs> Mephiston gets around quite a bit as well. He seems <laughs> oh, to be yeah. everywhere. Um, he's definitely... I'll, I will tell you this. I was really close to coming to SoCal Open with uh, Blood Angels, pure Blood Angels, and I was going to bring about 80 Scouts and all the characters oh, man. and just see that what is, would happen. That is a lot of attacks. Yeah, a, a lot of close combat. Sanguinor, um, Dante, a couple of Smash Captains, a couple of librarians like Mephiston and a regular librarian, and then just you know like eighty scouts and see what happens. Just real quick, Pete. Segue or not segue? Just just a quick diversion. What what are you bringing to the SoCal Open? It's uh, going to be my custodies because I love them too much. I can't not uh, take uh, Trajan Valoris. I don't care what anybody says. I mean, Jeff Robinson's with me, and uh, he is uh, definitely my uh, low-key hero. Uh, so, <laughs> although he has even said he's going to back off of them uh, for a little bit, which uh, it broke my heart when I heard it. Um, it like it tore a hole there that probably will never be refilled. But uh, wow. yeah, no, I've got my uh, custodies with uh, assassins and uh, guard coming, and we'll see what happens. Going for All the right. three and three, maybe the two and four. If I go two I look, and four, I, I look forward to seeing you at the bottom tables. Yeah, <laughs> I, hey, you can join me. That's yeah. So, so uh, m- moving on from the faction breakdown numbers to the win percentages, um, it, you still kind of see like Inari still have the highest win percentage as a primary faction. That's sixty-five percent. That is that is by far the highest win percentage, wow. and and that's a trend you're going to see you know, th- throughout the rest of the season um, with the FAQ not really touching Inari a whole lot um, and not really touching Eldar a whole lot. Uh, I know some Eldar players might cry like, oh, our stratagem. Like, like, uh, you know, there's, you're still a really good army. You guys still have so much going for you in terms of... I would actually faction. say they're better now. Uh, uh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, because of, of the other factions getting nerfed a little. Yeah, and um, like you're starting to see Wave Serpent Spam become a thing the last couple tournaments, and I think it will stay a thing. Yeah, uh, and then uh, Thousand Suns, who who there is a good thousand. There's a couple of good Thousand Sun lists kind of roaming around with the, the the obviously the Smash Brother, the Battle Brothers. I don't know what you call them the Magnus Mortarian combo um, being a Thousand Suns list because Magnus is more points than Mortarian. I think. Uh, also, they run Zangors, so. So usually those lists tend to be primary Thousand Suns. But also there's the Zangor Bomb Bonanza with the Demon Prince Smite Spam list that you yep. see often as well. Uh, Thousand Suns have a 57.8% win percentage as a primary detachment. Um, that's something to note. That, that'll probably go up a little bit more. They, they've always been kind of a top-tier gatekeeper army, um, but now they're you know they're, they're shining a lot more. Uh, and then, of course, Drukhari are the best single you know, non-mixed Eldar primary fa- detachment. Uh, though you do see still a lot of, of mixed Eldar winning and doing well. They have a 58% win percentage, so Dark Eldar is still holding strong. Um, and then Knights and Astromel Terramus primary are also hovering around that 55% mark. Um, so those are pretty much your best chances in terms of overall percentages. That's it. 
Oh, that's yeah. the show, guys. That's, that's <laughs> there everything. we go. Thanks for having me. Uh, All right. Uh, D-I-C-K-Pills.com. Is there, anything, <laughs> is there anything there that's surprising to anyone? That's the first question. Uh, yeah, it, it's so... So the obvious, I think I think it's kind of surprising that the primary faction for Astro Militarum still have that high fifty-five percent win percentage, um, because they have so many games where they're the secondary faction. Um, so it's just I, mean, I don't know. Like, you, like go, go ahead, Val. That original, um, you know, the Pelham style. Some of those were playing with uh, brigades, if I recall. So they'd have right. like six six units of the Catechins with uh, Strachan and all the Hellhounds and stuff. So I mean, that's that was a dirty version of that list too. Right. Yeah, that was and actually if the anything, most successful version. Uh, if win-win. if anything too, I would see like, and again, it's kind of anecdotal, but sort of like immediately after the fact when you couldn't recycle points anymore. I think what we saw were uh, guard brigades again uh, with a Castellan. So you're starting with like twenty plus CP, and um, and off you go. Like you, so what? You're not recycling a million of them. You still got. 10 billion to keep your uh, Castellan going for three turns. So right. I'm not surprised uh, AM still rocks. Yeah. Well, one thing that I'm kind of, that I kind of wish these, these stats.com guys would do is um, tell me what the win percentages of lists that had both Knights and Astro Militarum in their list. Because uh, I imagine that once, once you cut out all the people who are just running Knights for fun and just running Guard for fun, and you have all the competitive people who are like Knight Castellan with Astro Militarum, like D list. Um, I imagine that win percentage on that list is probably in the 60s too. Well, it's uh, interesting. Just trying to distill uh, these things down a little bit. Um, what would we like to talk about? 40k's first advanced stat. Oh no, not again. Uh, you know what? Let, let's just let, let take it away, Val. I'm curious. You're curious? You'd like to hear about 40K's first advanced stat? Fantastic. Well, using... Um, so, actually, way back when, I don't know if anyone out there remembers, we had um, some cool access to the BCP data, and it was me trying to slice it into usable forms. We got similar stuff, actually, to what uh, Peter here has put together, but... Um, I was super lazy, so I would only do what was easily sortable. Uh, Peter actually goes through and analyzes all the data and checks it and makes sure it's good. Um, and uh, my dream at the time was to actually have the ability to do um, uh, to see when, not just like not just how much armies were winning, but when they were winning. And so I will now unveil 40K's first advanced stat, which is T-Whip, tournaments in winning position. And uh, why this is important, and all it really is, is the armies that are able to get to four and zero. So, of all the fa- of all the people playing a given faction, what percentage of them get to the four and zero mark, which would be, you know, what you would need in order to be in a place to win a given tournament. Um, so that doesn't necessarily tell you who's actually able to succeed on the top tables, but it does give you a very good idea of who the most, uh, I guess, dominant or potent um, guys are out there. And so when we look at that, like you can look at it from the suit perspective, I think, which is kind of what what Pablo was just hinting at. Um, and just from the sort of like big aggregate numbers, so Eldari, Chaos, Xenos, Imperium, um, you have Eldari at 18% of the field. But of that uh, 18% of the people who play Eldari, 12.6% of them get to 4-0, which is pretty crazy. Um, this is overrepresented, of course, because there's you know fewer factions overall. But if you look at something like Imperium, who have um, more than double the amount of people in the field, um, they're right around six point 
6% of, of people getting to 4-0. Uh, when you break down the Eldari numbers even more, though, uh, if you're playing Yunari since basically these numbers started, uh, 17, so almost 18% of all Yunari players get to 4-0. And then the one thing that um, is really interesting is when you look at the uh, average first round loss, which is uh, something that Peter helped calculate for us. Um, let me just pull that one up. Uh, average first round loss. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to find it here. Yeah. So if the the stat you're looking for, for Inari, they are the highest, barely, uh, but at 2.42. <laughs> So, uh, which uh, is a decimal 01 average over a thousand suns. They're basically even in terms of when you're going to get that first loss. So roughly um, uh, around two and a half of the, of a tournament. Yeah, uh, so but then the next one down is, is much further. Like that's just yeah, two rounds. So, yeah. so about two and a half rounds into all the tournaments, start looking around for the first angry Inari and thousand suns players. Yeah. It'll be what, like, like guy. You, like so, when you look at the average first round loss, so this is this is going to be like your first cut, right? So this is this is essentially what are the armies that are beating all of the last optimal armies? I, I guess that's what this is one way to look at it is what is the overall faction strength? So when you look at these things like Inari, Thousand Suns, Drukari, Imperial Knights, even uh, this one's an outlier because it has very few, a very small sample, but. Uh, uh, Sisters of Battle, but you have Harlequins, Astra Militarum, Azurani. That's your top ten, and all of those, all of those guys have an average first round loss in the in the uh, second round. So those are guys that just have a comparative, immediate competitive advantage just from their the strength of the list. I would say it's kind of like the American military, right? <coughs> like the number one air force, obviously is your air force. Then like in the world, sorry, it's like in the world. The the most planes is in the Air Force, and then number two, it's not like China, it's like your Coast Guard, and then like third, it's like the Navy. <laughs> and you have to go like five down until you get to like China or something, and it's like Eldar, Eldar, Eldar. Oh, actually, go find the Imperial Knights, good, solid, right? <laughs> it's really interesting. So, so Val, um, so what's up with this, with the 0% T-Whip for Death Watch Grey Knights and Orcs? Does that mean that they're losing before the tournament begins? Uh, they have a 0%? So that means that they have never gotten a 4-0. Oh, man. In Four any of the recorded data. So that means that Orcs, um, the... A uh, There's a lot, guys. Necrons, the, the, Orcs, Gene Sealer, Colts, Necrons have gotten... Watch. Oh, no, Necrons, Necrons have gotten... Never. Never, never gotten? No, they've never gotten... Oh. Actually, Orcs have never gotten... Is this right? 3-0? No, their first round... <laughs> That's right, because they've never they've never gotten they've never had their first loss in the fourth round in this data set. Orcs have never gotten a three and zero in this data set, and that's across. Uh, let's see here. Uh, that's only twenty four games, though, guys. That's, uh, so orc players are all waiting for their codex. Twenty four uh, lists. Uh, twenty four lists. Sorry. Okay, yeah. that's that's way to, worse. To, to be fair, the orc <laughs> players that are going to these events are are the ones who are still powering through the index. Oh, and, That's and right. technically Space Wolves have never gotten a 4-0. They have one unbeaten list, but it was Mitch Pelham who had to step out of, uh, I think it was um, Harvester of Souls, after mm. round three. He was undefeated. Oh. He had three wins. Technically, but, uh, yeah. But he didn't uh. get to that fourth, so who knows what would have happened. Right. Oops. But yeah, so, a lot of the, a lot of, like, so when you look at a lot of the, like, the bottom dwellers, like, the majority of their losses come in the first round. So it's like... There's just like a massive, uh, uh, you can see a massive disparity in, in, in list strengths when you look at guys like Necrons. So they have, 
Uh, let's see. They've got 55 lists. 34 of them lost in the first round. Right. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a really interesting way to just see like just on a, in any given matchup, just who's setting up the, on the table and in just a real competitive disadvantage. So it's like let's take an example of Imperial Knights. So let's see here. We have 195, and of those, 78 lost in the first round. So more than half of Imperial Knights are winning their first first round. Yeah, and and so, so let's. I want to focus on Necrons a little bit here uh, because sure, Peter managed to also pull out faction versus faction stats, which which we're going to get into in a second. They're huge. Um, the reason I want to focus on Necrons is because they have a, a zero percent T whip. Uh, they they don't have very many two and O's uh compar- comparatively um with only actually there's only been five necron games or five necron players or lists in recorded uh since the bao that have actually won have gone three and zero or better um which means they've all lost in the first two rounds pretty much but their pers- win percentage against extra militarum is 60 percent which is which is compared to these numbers, right? So the average win percentages are like anywhere between forty-eight and fifty-two. That's like the average, and then anything above fifty-five is high. So as they have a sixty percent win percentage against Astra Militarum, and Astra Militarum make up the majority of the field. So it, it's just like uh, these Necron players. Either there's not enough Necron players, or they're just not running into these Astra Militarum players. Um, but so at first I saw that and I was like, oh, well, why aren't why aren't Necrons winning more? Uh, but then I looked at their win percentage against Knight players. So they have more Knight more games played against Knights than Astro Militarum, and their win percentage against Knights primary is eighteen point five percent point five percent. Hmm. So Knights are are directly killing Necrons. Like I, I would say that that if Knights didn't exist, Necrons would have a very would be in a very very good spot. They would so you be have in a to assume they spot. Have, no, sorry. They would. Sorry. Yeah, I, I, they 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 also lose pretty regularly to Tau and Inari. Uh, but yeah, the the knights really are destroying Necrons. And do you have to assume that the Astra Militarum main faction still has knights as a secondary? That's true. Like, yep. Which is if they, that's their Achilles heel. <laughs> Necro, poor Necrons. <laughs> Getting stomped on by bigger, giant, or there's bigger robots. robots. They're so mean to us. <laughs> <laughs> but um uh you know and obviously in a vacuum uh, obviously there's a lot more factors to why necrons are not the not or are where they are now uh though it, if you if you want if you're a gw you, you can now you have you now have a data point to to draw from right so now instead of just thinking like oh well why are necrons bad or why aren't they doing well against these lists now you can focus in like what what about knights makes necrons not good um more- i imagine it Go, go ahead, Val. Oh, I was just going to say that it's, it's uh, I mean, aside from Necrons uh, versus Imperial Knights, although I, 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 would, I would say that uh, uh, Orcs uh, in 14 games have never beaten Imperial Knights. So if you've beaten an Imperial Knight in GT competition, let us know. Dial 1-800-DICK-BILLS <laughs> and let us know uh, that you've beaten Knights. But, I mean, if we're looking at, at the faction versus faction breakdown. By the way, guys, if you're looking at, like, what to plan, this is uh, how to use this data, I think, is, is a really good way. I think one massive takeaway right now is if you can't play Knights, if you can't hang with Knights, and you want to go compete in a tournament, you need to figure out how to do that. Full stop. Like, they are a massive... Like, there's a chance, like you, there's a chance you can duck Eldari, but you will not be able to duck 
Astra Militarum and Imperial Knights. They're going to be there. Um, you know, there's probably like on the later tables, like if, if you want to be able to get to the top of the tournament, you have to be able to beat Yanari. You have to be able to beat Thousand Sons. Those are the guys who percolate to the top. So that's what this sort of data is really, I'd say, actually useful for and actionable for. Right. And if you look at if you look at the Imperial Knights faction versus faction stuff, um, so Imperial Knights themselves, they, their their win percentage may be high. Uh, but their T whip, so like their actual getting a four and O, isn't as good. They have a forty percent win perspe- per- percentage against Thousand Suns. They have a forty four percent win percentage against Yunari. Um, they are uh, who else are they losing to against those two? Those two are the two biggest ones. Forty seven percent win win percentage against Drakari. Dark Eldar, yeah. So it, it, like those those might be some of your your like more natural meta counters against like ma- majority heavy uh, Imperial Knight lists. And then Astra Militarum, uh, they're also losing too slightly. They're more like more more like fifty fifty. Do any of the do any of the top factions like? Are they like opposed in the way that you would necessarily deal with them? So it's problematic that they're rising to the top. You know, like uh, Imperial Knights as an example versus any Eldari. Like the the ways in which I deal with the Imperial Knights may not be the way that I would need to deal with the Eldari. So the fact that they percolate to the top means that it is a bit of just a I hope I don't draw the one or the other because yeah. you can't build for everything, right? In some situations. Right. Um. One thing uh, I don't know if this answers your question. Um, I couldn't hear understand your accent, but um. <laughs> uh, oh no! <laughs> you mean English? <laughs> Just joking. But Har- Harlequins. Um, I-, I did say earlier in the podcast that Harlequins can uh, do well against knights, but actually knights have a fifty-two percent win percentage against Harlequins. Um, so but that's Harlequins' primary as that well. That is Harlequins' right? primary. To be fair, uh, it's it's just it's it's kind of I, I kind of I know it's hard. It's it's you know it's very um greedy to say this, but I kind of wish I had more stats <laughs> and more <laughs> just just more um it, this is just so good and, and um talking about just general primary factions is is useful um but the this is just the tip of the iceberg and what we can get out of our stats right so b- between what Peter's working on and what BCP's doing with their standardized lists oh by the way if you guys haven't heard the Iron Halo BCP announced that they they're they're going to standardize list submission and the in the best coast pairings app and what that's going to do is that's going to enable bcp to draw um unit unit totals point totals faction percentages all, all this stuff from all the lists submitted on bcp as long as they're submitted in that format which which it's a very easy it's a text format it's very easy to submit um so it should be widely used at that point. And from there, we can look at all of the lists used on BCP and draw like like how many points are being invested in exactly in Imperial Knights or or uh, how many players are have have like less than a thousand points of this faction and then are doing well against a thousand more than a thousand points of another faction or, or whatever. Right. So it, the graphics that they pulled up are cool. Uh, and then between what Pete's doing and what BCP is doing, I think we can get some very serious, you know, data and and then Val can start, you know, acronyming more fun mm-hmm. things like T Whip. T Whip. And I will, I will say, say that position. there may be something happening in the future where some of those statistics may begin to merge. Uh, I'm not Ooh. sure yet, but uh, there's there's some stuff happening. So. All right. So I want to talk about knights a little bit more because their win percentages against a lot of factions are very 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 high. For for example. Um, you, you kind of saw Custodes and Blood Angels. They were all the rage around uh, Adepticon March London GT time. Like that was kind of like they were the 
the premier armies and then even leading up to like the etc later on in june they were kind of perceived as like these really powerful armies and then the night codex dropped like right before etc's boom night codex um and then they fell off the board completely and and so me as a tournament analyst, someone who was looking at all these data, I was kind of wondering where the Custodes and Blood Angels went um, in terms of their those pure factions. Uh, and and I had a suspicion that it was Imperial Knights, but you know Imperial Knights have a 67 win percentage against Custodes and a 71% win percentage against primary faction Blood Angels. Um, and so I think that kind of answers the question, right? Um, so it's, it, you have a hard data proof that says that these Knights... You know, since the BAO, Knights have just been kicking the Custodes and Blood Angels teeth players in. And as a result, you don't see a whole lot of Custodes and Blood Angels players. Uh, and then you get players like Jeff, um, who have, are dropping Custodes, and players like Peter, who are not doing well with them. Aw, thanks. <laughs> uh, but, but, Pete, you're, you're a Custodes player. I don't play the faction primary at all. Yeah. Um, do you have a really hard time against Knights, or do you have, like, a, a secret sauce thing that you do? Um, it really depends. Like against the quote-unquote list, uh, I I can struggle just because it's really hard now, especially with the new fact to get at the Castellan when you want to. <laughs> uh, and, and it's not even getting at the Castellan generally. Like because in a lot of times the what you'll hear from people is, oh, I beat the Castellan by ignoring it. I bring three hundred models, and then it's like you can't kill three hundred guys. Well, I'm bringing like twenty plus you know my thirty my thirty or forty guardsmen, and he can easily get to me, so it's uh, not being able to get at the, the like the juicy characters like I used to is a problem um, I think with custodies players, so many of them are so bike heavy now that that it's go- that it's a struggle against the knight because they you can deal with hordes like nobody's business, but when you get into three and four knight lists it, it actually becomes a, a bigger struggle because like you reroll wounds, but you're wounding on fives uh, against the knight, even on the charge uh, with the bikes, and it's, it's just—it's not a, f- a super fun game. So you kind of have to switch. You have to back up and start bringing more like regular custodian guard, which, uh, like, other than say Jeff and a couple others, you're not seeing a lot of in the meta. Um, I think to um, uh, Joe Bear's list, Joe Bear was that his name? Who had like the everyone was like, "What is he doing? He brought those Alaris custodians, and that's a—they're all a pile of crap trash." I remember that. Uh, like he did well, and part of the reason is like Laris custodians, even though they're way too expensive for what they do, they're strength eight. They can actually start chopping into a knight a lot better than uh, than a, a bike can after round after that first round of combat. So, yeah, and, and knights actually do have a hard time killing the Laris custodians. Like it, yeah. it, 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 they can kill them. Obviously, like, I'm not saying that Laris custodians will survive like two full rounds of shooting from like a knight Castellan. Obviously, they'll still die with dedicated firepower, but. Um, you know, I played a couple games actually against people down here with Nightless, and both games they ran Alaris Custodians, and every single time I underestimated them. I thought of them like as this slow Terminator troop choice option or option that I just could ignore until they come down from Deep Strike. Um, and then as the game wore on, you know, these this like Custodians just weren't dying, and I was terrified. My knights were running away from them with like five wounds left. Yeah, and they're like, ah, get away from me! And the Custodians are like, we're gonna get you, and. <laughs> It, it, they're just it, unless you have the dedicated firepower to kill them, they they can be very very frustrating to kill, um, and they can also kill knights. They can just run up to them and stab them. Yep, they um, they they're pretty choppy. It's they're probably about 
I, I mean, I'm, I'm not a, ba a game balancer, but I, they're probably about 15 points too much for what they do. But even then, like I've, I've, uh, I've done a, a pretty wicked job with them a couple of times. I brought them to an RTT a couple months ago and they, uh, people just uh, didn't know what to do. They're like, that's a piece of garbage. And then I'd hit my first charge and they'd be like, okay, I'm just going to ignore you for the rest of the game and run away. So... Yeah, and that that is the problem with them too, right? Is, is they do really well against against um, factions like like knights, for example, but they don't do very well against like Inari. I imagine Inari give you a really really hard time. Oh yeah, no Inari. Like I I would just rather not play them. If the if the Inari player feeding of many people. Game. <laughs> like you know, ninety percent of them do because uh, like the common consensus online is just like Anari may not be as good as there. It's just like all the best players are playing them, and, and that, that's an exaggeration. But it's it, they're all the best players are playing them because they're very good. I also I don't know that all the best players are playing Inari. I mean, a lot of the good players are playing Inari, but I don't know that that's necessarily the case. Lots of players went. I mean, just look at the Nova Invitational. A lot of yep. the best players were not playing Inari. They went. They went to the the mix of no Knights Admech and sorry uh, Knights uh, Astro Militarium and, and Blood Angels. Yeah. Um, one thing I'd love to steer to as far as like what's going on is I'm looking at the faction versus faction for Thousand Suns right now. One of the things that that Peter is like. He's, this is his. This is his best faction. Nobody knows about. I don't know if and, nobody knows about it, but I do have a hard on for them. <clears throat> well, I I don't know. I don't hear. I don't hear a lot of people talking about the Thousand Night Me the Thousand Suns menace. You know, like when you look at their faction versus faction stats, uh, it's hard to spot who's actually beating these guys. Yeah, like Dark Lance and Drakari, and that's about it. Yeah. Yeah, and Yunari. They, they even had Yunari. They got a fifty-fifty split. Um, is is is, is Drakari maybe shutting down like a powerful strat that they have? Like, what what could it be that what could Drakari have that everyone uh, else doesn't? I mean, Vect may help a little. I think I think Drakari probably have the the Talos engines, which which can eat a lot of smites and get in there and just chew through it, all the of grotesques. the bodies. And, and, the and oh yeah, it. and the grotesques, yeah. Grotesques are so strong, and uh, with the with your like uh, feel no pain, it's it's uh, yeah. No, that's that's generally the list. It's the the profits of flesh. Those more primary profits of flesh lists. This is just beating up on all the thousand suns players. Doing a good job against thousand suns. Beating up on most things, right? Yeah, yeah, but they they take that um, that um, Zangor bomb real easy. They usually eat that up because it'll hit the racks or whatever they have up front and do not what the, the thousand suns player wanted. And then right. One funny thing about the the thousand suns as well is, is they are just getting stomped on by Space Marine. Like they have a thirty five percent win percentage against Space Marine players. So like the all ten Space Marine players right now playing are are just whenever they get a thousand suns guy, they're like, okay, batter up, time time to get my one <laughs> yeah. win of the tournament. My my Imperial Fists Battalion is going to wreck you. Yeah. Yeah, and I I obviously these Space Marines are all probably like Raven Guard or Ultramarines. It's like, it's um, all Reese Robbins. Uh, I. I he, I think he has like three of the wins against Thousand Suns. Uh, wherever he goes, he just draws Thousand Suns and destroys them. So <laughs> I know Reese doesn't listen to this podcast, but if he did, kudos to you for for making Ast uh, for making uh, Space Marines good again. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, and, and obviously, uh, I think if you were to increase the number of games played, because it's only fourteen Space Marine games played versus Thousand Suns, which is actually an okay sample size. Um, if you were to expand that, I think obviously the the win percentage would go up against Space Marines, but th there might be something there, right? Like maybe it's maybe it's a combination of like Gilliman and and good character support, you know, combined with like 
a billion command points because there's probably maybe some Master Military Malleys in there. Um, I don't know. It, it's I would like to get those 14 games. The, the the other thing is, the real dream for me is is to have all of these games, or most of these games recorded, or have like a separate stat sheet where, where we just have recorded games in stats. So then we could go back and look at exactly what happened. So if there were like 14, if we were able to record these 14 games of Space Marines versus Thousand Suns, we'd be able to look at specifically exactly where the Thousand Suns fell off or like what turn, um, what exactly it is about the Space Marines. But for now, we can only, we can only theorize. Um, but uh, the Thousand Suns, like, like you said, have such good win percentage against good armies. Like they have an 80% win percentage against Chaos Demons, who if you were listening to my tournament coverage, there was one tournament where uh, the Battle in the Bush, uh, where two Chaos Demon primary players won. Uh, and Chaos Demons are, are growing more in popularity now that the FAQ has dropped, and Chaos Space Marines kind of took like a big plunge because they lost their, their Alpha Legion trick. So now Chaos Space Marines are, are in a really bad spot as a codex and um and that's not just me saying that that's people who play chaos space marines who have told me this like really good players who consistently do well with chaos space marines um you know you know told me that their codex is really suffering so so they do really well against chaos demons they do really well against azuyarni mixed eldar uh, and they they do of course do well against custodes um and they have all, almost 60% win percentage against imperial knights um and they go 50-50 with astro military and Inari. So Thousand Suns are in a really good spot. Um, pretty much the only thing keeping them back is Dark Eldar and Space Marines, um, from what I see from the data here. Goddamn Space Marines. Space oh, and Harlequins. They have a 20, 20% win percentage against Harlequins. Mm-hmm. I, don't know, I don't know what it is with those lists. Maybe Thousand Suns players. Maybe they just have like a, a you know, like a, a mental thing against space ring player they just see a space ring player and they're like man. when we're seeing these uh when we're seeing these uh thousand suns list peter what 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 kind of components are usually seeing them made up of uh the the most successful ones generally are going to be a supreme command detachment with ariman and uh at least two demon princes or two or two or three like exalted sorcerers sometimes magnus uh, although, other than, I think, Austin Wingfield, a lot of the guys playing Magnus aren't actually the ones that are getting the wins. Um, and then you're going to have, uh, generally, a, another Thousand Suns Battalion with a couple more Sorcerers slash Demon Princes and, uh, a, like, a bunch of uh, Zangors and Cultists, usually a Zangor Bomb and then a couple, like, 10-man Cultist squads. And then you'll have uh, a third battalion that's either uh, Chaos Undivided Demons to get, like, your corn uh, Demon Prince of Death. Um <laughs> And the uh, Night Smasher, yeah, the Night Smasher, uh, and uh, like, yeah, like Nurglings, etc., or uh, or horrors, and or they'll have like a Black Legion uh, detachment to, with Abaddon and you know 150 million cultists to just like swell up the board so that you you hit this wave of cultists that are immune to morale and they reroll everything and then they get smited to death as you kind of slowly move up the board. Is it something as simple as no zone against space marines? Yeah, that could be it. Uh, that's a definite thing. I don't thing. think so, because because space marines typically don't run. I mean, they might be, but the the, the the librarians aren't really like a a super mobile. 
You know, like, if, for example, if, like, a shield captain, the custodial shield captain, had access to cast Null Zone, like, he would just be <laughs> shitting on every. Like, could you imagine? <laughs> right? Just like the custodian's captain going, ha ha, Null Zone, I, I kill you. You but just gave me an instant boner. I'm sorry. Dickbrook.com. <laughs> um, if I had Null Zone, it wouldn't even matter. I would right. Yeah. But, but librarians aren't, space librarians aren't shield captains. And Null Zone is such a, a limited power that you really want the thing, the, the person who's casting it, to be able to use it. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't think it's null zone, Rob. To answer your question, but I could be wrong. Okay. It might just be a bunch of null zones. I will say that it's a definite thing in some lists. There's that mixed uh, Astartes, uh, uh, like supreme command or battalion detachment that you see. I mean, Nick Nadavati ran it at um, Battle uh, for Salvation. Yeah, that's the one uh, where you know you take like your Space Wolf Rune Priest, your Dark Angels Librarian, and just a standard Librarian or Chief Librarian Tiggy uh, for null zone and hope for the best. Maybe. By the way, we have to come up with a name for that attachment because it's going to become more common now that blood An- now that smash captains are kind of falling out of favor. Everyone's gotten sick of of the blood angels brothels they're going to. Can and- you conf- can you confirm or deny that, Peter? Our blood angel smash cap did they did the fact actually impact the amount of blood angel smash caps that we saw? It well, we've only had three recorded tournaments, but in those three, it did. Yeah, there's been a drop off for. Uh, Astro Militarum, a slight drop off on the Astro Militarum side, uh, but a, like a bigger drop off on the Smash Captains. They, they're still there, and some of them are still winning, um, but it's um, it's not it's not the same. Like I think Alan Blakeborough did very well with a, like a Blood Angels list. Uh, I wonder what the actual like result is there. I wonder if it's like a perceived drop in efficiency. Or, like I know that it's an I actual it drop. That's what I mean, Rob. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, think you're right. I think it's. Sorry, go Pablo. I was just going to say, because at the Iron Halo, there were 100 players. There were 100 players at the Iron Halo, and they they did not use the FAQ rules at the Iron Halo, but there were a lot of lists that would have been good pre-FAQ, and, and so a lot of, like, the guard players, for example, took out the Blood Angels from their guard list and were running, like, guard battalions in, on a single night. Um, and I even knew a couple players who, who were perennial tournament players who actually didn't use... The FA or they didn't they used the FAQ rules even though the tournament didn't allow them to so they were spending extra command points and they weren't re-rolling more than one command point a turn just to kind of get uh, get more preparation for the future like for LVO and stuff. Mm, those men are um, saints. Right, right, and and obviously like like the top lists the top lists were were uh, dominate or the top tables are dominated by like the the post or the pre-FAQ lists like the Knight Castellan lists and stuff. Um, they were rare. And in general, I, th- I thought the general vibe and feel of the Iron Halo was like, we're ready for post-FAQ 40k, and that's what we're building our lists around. Um, and I didn't see a lot of Smash Captains. Other than, like, the Smash Captains you guys saw on stream in the top table, there were almost no Smash Captains at the event. So I think Rob kind of kind of hit on it, which is, yeah. did the meta just, like, just throw Smash Captains in the garbage, even though they're, like, still 120 points to kill anything in the game? As long yeah. as the screen's out of the way. Yeah, I, <laughs> we, think, I think you're. I think you're right. Good. Sorry, we, it's like so. We generated stats very similar to this about uh, two months ago for Age of Sigmar, and they've been updated. Any five-game Age of Sigmar tournament that's happened in the past since the launch of the game has been recorded in our stats. And one of the really interesting things that we've started, well, that's only come up in the past couple of weeks through my analysis of it, has been. And I think it's the same here, and that's why I think it's really interesting, is that sometimes things just fall out of vogue, maybe just because people want them to fall out of vogue. You know, they never really wanted to take the Smash Captains, and so now they just look for a different option. Or it's like, I don't know, it, I, I, I sometimes think that there's a lot of like art to the to the style of the win, 
and sometimes people just choose to win with certain certain builds and then I, I do know that that sometimes go against the efficiency and the sportlike nature of what we're trying to cover but I do think that there's a there's a some sort of like feeling and vibe that sometimes tournament players get where they uh, either gestalt as a group or just individually decide to move away from certain builds I don't know why I just that's kind of the the ongoing thought process I'm having currently which could definitely be wrong i just no, i just think it was interesting right. the parallel i think you're 100 percent right i think everybody wants to be a big dick bandit in in the some part of their heart and wants to win the bao with death watch and or even and sometimes because you know there's you're just so hyper efficient you're like well maybe if i just took 200 points of death watch then i can tell all my buddies i won a tournament and so you do start to see these weird things where they'll They'll swap out uh, Blood Angels that may be more efficient for something else. And then there's also the perceived uh, like loss of efficiency, where it's really not so much that. It's that you have to change how you play them, right? Because a lot of players, when they had their Smash Captains, were being uh, probably too aggressive. They're like, whatever, I'll just jump over everything, kill everything, go back home, have a pot, have a pot of coffee. And now you kind of have to sit back and wait because there's you know 200 cultists in front of you and you're not going to get your points back that way. And you're using them more as counter charges and things like that. Yeah. Well, it's just I, I just think that um, it they're still so bloody good, and you still have so many. And maybe it's the fact that they're like crazy um, CP intensive. So that actually might more than fly keyword. Uh, the fact that you can't get back all the CP you spent on making them more. Because what? You could get up to like 9, 12 CP in one round oh, with, easily, a, with, yeah. with the Smash oh, Cabin. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So like um, that might be the big... Because immediately I'm just thinking about like the fly keyword killing them. And I wonder if it's actually just the fact that the CP regen and the fact that you can't do that just really took away their ability to murder everything. Especially if you have the Castellan still chilling there, murdering everything uh, you know, for 3 to 6 CP a turn. I think they're still really good. I I think it's more perception than anything else, and I agree with you, Val. Um, and then I've got a point to make on Rob's statement earlier, but uh, I think with Blood Angels players, and this is something I've kind of fallen into as, as a pitfall, um, pre-FAQ Blood Angels players or pre-FAQ Imperium players kind of just like played their Blood Angels captains poorly. Like even at the highest levels, you know, you would just, if you had nine command points to spend, you would just throw them, you'd get like six command points back and your Blood Angels captain would just go in there, and, and if he messed up or or you put him in a kind of suboptimal spot, like, oh, no big deal, I've got another, and I've still got 20 command points, so I can do it later. Um, and so you kind of start taking these these really bad charges. But now it, it's it has to be like your game plan, right? You either you decide, am I going to spend 9 command points to get this Blood Angels captain to kill this Knight Castellan or not? And is it, if it doesn't happen and the opportunity doesn't present itself, I, I'm going to have to do something else. And then that opportunity is never going to happen again. Like I'm never turn five. I'm I'm not going to be able to use it if I need to. So it's so it's kind of like a tool that I need to decide pregame, um, which increases the level of uh, the level of I, I guess 40k savvy that you need to use something like it, um, which. Obviously, that level of nuance is, is lost on a, the majority of players because the majority of players just want to have fun and they, they want to just enjoy their faction and their armies and play their own way. Um, so I think that's also the reason why is that uh, people are dropping away from Blood Angels. It's just because it, it's it's a higher it takes a higher level of skill to to kind of like use their trick now. So maybe I might be wrong, um, but but to Rob's point, and I agree with you, Rob. It's the top player. If you look at the top players. Um, in 40k, the they all kind of moved away from like Inari. Like, look at Sean Naden. Sean Naden does his own thing with his own lists. Um, and I think that 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 level that um 
mindset is is really prevalent in in Warhammer and Age of Sigmar. You know, a lot of people want to use their own tricks and their own lists, and they also do well with them. Um, so all these stats and all this, like, oh, if you take this army, you win, might just go out the window compared to just being a really good player. I think, I think the stylized efficiency. Like, I, th yeah. I think I think these guys win with flair. Like, and it, it comes through in the army list, which I think is super interesting. Um, and sometimes that's why also the, the stats versus the lists versus the results is so so difficult to start to theorize through because you're like, why are you doing that? And it's like, well, in, in turn three, I always do this thing and it's really useful. It's like, oh, damn you, that's smart. And these guys have been working on those lists maybe for months just in their own head. It's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and then there and there's also guys who like copy those lists. Like for example, when Sean Naden won with Lictorshame, um, like four years ago with Tyranids, uh, a couple people tried running like 20 Lictors at tournaments, and we're just getting destroyed. And Sean was kind of I had him on the podcast actually, when we talked about this, but Sean kind of like laughed at that, like, oh, like Lictors aren't good. I don't know why you guys are running them. I just I just took Lictors to Delvio to troll basically, <laughs> and and he won with them, um, but. I I think in a game, too, where you have so many permutations of, of combinations and options and things like that, when you take, when you take a list and you tweak it, so you take, like, or if you take a, an archetype and you throw it out there in a different way, for people who prepare on the aggregate or are just like following the, the top trends and you know, what the majority of players are playing, and you're a really good player and you come down and you have something that's just screwy or is just as, or or that is is not something that the opposing player necessarily understands intuitively how it works you have a massive advantage huge advantage so it may not be it might not be the most efficient choice but it's a choice that you know um gains efficiency just because nobody knows how to necessarily deal with it and well, that's also i think why like when something new comes into the meta sometimes it, it appears to be like way overwhelming it's too strong whatever just because there's a there's a learning curve for the people dealing with it across the table yeah well like if you could if you could ask yourself how many points would you pay to confuse and spook your opponent at deployment you know that's that's basically what we're talking about, the value of, of playing lists yourself or things that aren't necessarily just a list you download. You, you, like you, yesterday, yet literally yesterday, I had I, I uh, hosted a bunch of people at my house. We did a we did an eight-person uh, not GT, uh, eight-person RTT. I got four tables crammed into my place. And uh, my first game, my first round opponent, he had two termite drills in his list. And I'm sitting there like, what the F is a termite drill? <laughs> I've seen, these things. I've seen these things like I know they're probably pretty badass but like I don't know they're probably chumps they are not chumps alright <laughs> nope. those things are toughness 8 they 6 attacks re-rolling 1 million strength like crazy damage they were monsters Yep. Monsters! Yep. I love those, those, and they're like 120 something points. They're 130 points. I have one in my brilliant. Jeremy, I love it. Oh, they're brilliant. Anyway, termite drills, new OP. Don't you heard it here first? <laughs> and they got nerfed, Val. They used to be better. <laughs> yeah, they, they, if you can believe it. They're crazy good, and they can be taken by chaos. I've learned apparently they can be taken by chaos. I, listen Admech. to like they can be taken by chaos, Admech, and Space Marines. Mm -hmm. Yep. Any space yeah, wow. marine except gray knights because uh, gray knights don't have any love. See, yeah. all you guys are on the bleeding edge. I'm out. I'm out there with the real people who are just learning about stuff way too late. Apparently, <laughs> my drills. 
the, the, the real problem with the termite drill is everybody is bringing something to kill a knight, and if you can kill a knight, you can kill a termite drill. That's yeah, but true. the termite drill's underground, man. It's underground. <laughs> the, the, Have you ever seen Tremors? All right? Still sticking with me. Yeah, don't you remember that time the Tremor came up and took out the Imperial Knight from the ground? Duh. <laughs> or when it came in through the wall and the guy from Family Ties and the lady had to shoot him in the face a bunch of times? Yeah, the big like elephant me. rifles. Exactly. Oh, yeah. This is just like every 40 game game I've played. <laughs> <laughs> All tied together. But yeah, so, th- th- there's definitely a points attachment to that, right? Like being able to spook your opponent in to a degree. It kind of goes to that thing I, we were talking about earlier with the Alaris custodians, and that's like whenever I have success with them, it's because the, my opponent's like, oh yeah, they're just like a slightly better custody, and then you, you know, shoot off the stratagem that lets you uh, that ignores like negates Overwatch, and you like spread that out and hit like four units, and then they're like, oh, well, I didn't know you could do that, and well. I'm sorry, and I, I don't like doing it to a degree because you feel like you, you gotcha them, but, uh, yeah. Well, you just have to, you know, hope that your opponent doesn't ask if you can ignore Overwatch. <laughs> yeah. But, like, that's the thing is, like, with a game with so many combinations, so many rules, so many stratagems, all that kind of stuff, um, you know, it's, you know, it also speaks to the dominance of the of the really really good stuff. Like how like if everyone knows your tricks and you're still dummying people, um, like looking at Yunari and Knights and all those guys, um, you know that's that's that means that you have a relative advantage just in power, like the, the overall power of the faction. Whereas if you you know have to, it's not necessarily deception, but if you're using that stuff, that's sort of more edge case or well, do you or, think- or on the margins. Do you think that's where the Thousand uh, Suns come up in that point? To, maybe. To speak, to speak to, like, how are they doing well? It's like, well, you know, if you're not facing them much, because what was their representation in the meta? It's, uh, uh, where are they? 3%. That's yeah. Lo- that's low. You're not playing them often. Yeah. And so if you're not playing them often, you don't know those tricks, right? Yeah. I mean, they also, I mean, as as Peter was rambling down there, they're, you know, most used units. I mean, they also have like access to some really, really good things too, right? So, but I, I think honestly, like, I remember when I played first time. I actually played Jim Vessel at uh, Beef and Wing, and uh, I was playing him with my hapless Tau, and I'm terrible at it. And he just nuked all of my characters immediately with all of his friggin' uh, Thousand Sun spells that can target characters. And I didn't know he. Could, I just didn't know he could do that. Right. And, if you'd known, uh, you would have kept them farther back or something. No, a good player would keep him farther back. I've subsequently, uh, <laughs> subsequently done, done the same, same thing, thing. <laughs> done the same thing again. Uh, but yes, a good player would know that and counter deploy or whatever, or try to mitigate the issue. Um, but sometimes it's hard to mitigate a really powerful thing like that, which is the ability to just snipe out important buffing characters. Yeah, it's, that's why the the missile, the Castellan missile, was so good. Yeah, because it required no, no counterplay. Yeah. Yep. yeah, the skill missile. The skill. The no skill missile. <laughs> it's like the you play Call of Duty. Yeah, no scope tube. Oh, yeah, no, no, no scope noob, noob tube. <laughs> the no scope noob tube of of uh, 40k. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, all right. So let's go ahead and uh, move on to uh, the final kind of data point here, and that's the the chapter statistics. So what that is, it's basically Peter's broken down each sub each faction into their sub factions or or their their faction tactics. Um, so, for example, Knights, uh, he's broken down to win percentages of House Hawkshroud, House Griffith, House Ward, House Raven, and how they compare to each other and to the rest of the factions as a whole. Um, so, 
I, I just want to start here, and then I'll let you guys get in on this while you guys are pulling. There's only the one that I'm interested in. So, this, but go so, ahead. <laughs> so a month ago, a little more than a month, actually before Nova, um, I, was talk- I was talking about Necrons and how Necrons were, were in this poor spot, and they still are in this poor spot. But we've gotten more games since then, and the Nihilok dynasty is still the only dynasty that has a positive win percentage for Necrons uh, with more games played. Um you know, and the FAQ changing. So it's at 53%. All the other dynasties are 40% or, or 45% and below. Um, so maybe Necron players, I'm going to say this again. Some of you guys kind of laughed at me in emails. Maybe maybe run Nihilok Dynasty instead of, of the other Necron dynasties. You guys are definitely beating up on everything but Knights. Um, so maybe. I don't know. So my... Uh... My favorite one um, that I called out last time we looked at these as well is the Cadian versus Catachin debate. Um, and right now, it looks to me like Catachin's still lagging, but not as desperately the Cadian detachments. Um, or, like, appearance in the same amount of lists. And Catachin is at 58% win percentage. But Cadians caught up quite a bit. They're at a 52% win percentage, so... There you go. Cadian's uh, maybe not as wide of a spread as as it, it may seem. And um, we're starting to see a lot more uh, Valhallans coming into play uh, as well. Uh, is that are, is that recently? So have people gone for that um, yeah, uh, Morale conscript blob thing? I think, well, not really. They're not. I don't even see the conscript blobs. A lot of them are still just running your like, three ten-man units of guard or maybe four or five. Um, and they're just, they're blobbing them up and yeah, using the pistol uh, for the immune or just uh, not caring, just getting the, the like the half price uh, morale. Uh, so you are starting like they're at 30, 30 lists now, and they were they weren't anywhere near that earlier. Um, Talarn, yeah, that's interesting trend. Yeah. That any other any other sub faction trends that that you noticed in, in in since we last looked at this? Yes, uh, and this is very recent. Um, in the last maybe month or so uh cabal of the flayed skull has started to make a, a bigger appearance in drukari lists in fact often uh, and there's only 15 but that's going up from like one uh a while back um and you're actually seeing people take uh, cabal of the flayed skull over a uh, cabal of the black heart in, in a number of lists I, I, example being um sean dayton's list there from uh from bfs so and yeah. w- what is that getting exactly what's what's the, do you know what the advantage is there don't ask me. I don't play Drakari. I, th- I think that's the witches one. I think that's the the one that gives your witches like an extra attack or something. I I can't remember. Uh, the witch. Uh, I think you're thinking of the cult because the witches ones are all the cults, right? Oh, it is. The, it's the cult of. The, yeah, yeah. Never mind. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the cabal the flayed skull is actually. I bet I could tell you in about three seconds. We have this weird okay, thing so, they call the interwebs. But you guys so keep while, talking. <laughs> while Pete does that, um, I would like to point out the prophets of flesh, which with uh, Pete pointed out earlier in the podcast. The prophets of flesh people who are, who are bringing the prophets of flesh detachment have a sixty three percent win percentage, and that's with 60, 60 lists played or sixty lists, which is actually a large amount. Um, so prophets of flesh is is doing really good. Uh, and I imagine some of that is like like there's a lot of really good Canadian players who are playing Dark Eldar, like for example Skari, um, and then Sean Naden is also running. I don't think he's running Prophets of Flesh though, uh, but that's kind of like the the two lists. If you see uh, if you're looking at a list and it has Dark Eldar in it, there's pretty much like two variants of it. You'll either see Cabal the Blackheart Ally and Eldar Soup, or Prophets of Flesh and just going full in on on being 100% Dark Eldar, and both are very viable. Both have a 60% plus win percentage. 
Um, yeah. So Kabbalah the Flayed Skull, it's uh, the add three inches to movement uh, for models that can fly. And uh, models that can fly or that are on transports that can fly uh, ignore cover. And you reroll hit rolls of one for models that have rapid fire weapons. Uh, hmm. so. The stratagem also and gives them plus one to hit against fly keyword. Against fly keyword. So that's actually pretty oh. decently strong, I guess, against like an RE. And, and I'm sure there's some guy out there that's like, that's not why we do it. <laughs> we do it for the love of the game. And, and, and I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, House Raven continues to dominate Imperial Knight households, although Tyrannus seems to have settled in pretty strongly as the second favorite household for the zombie knight action. They're both so good. They're both both so good. (laughs) They're all pretty good. Yeah. I I would like to see the Imperial Knight stats in, like, uh, after the LVO. I I would like to see what what they add in. Um, But, uh, yeah, House Raven is still really dominant, and I I don't really see any of the knights changing in terms of their win percentages, really, really. There might be a shift shuffle, and like maybe House Tyrannus will beat House Raven now, although I doubt it. Um, they're just so good. Uh, and then um, <clears throat> I was looking at some of these some of these more popular ones, for example, uh, or, or most more popular factions in sub-factions. So, for example, like House Kraken, or not House Kraken, <laughs> Hive Fleet Kraken uh, in Tyranids, um, it only has a 46% win percentage, but they're the most used uh, faction. Um, and then the same goes for a couple others, um, like Styges and Colt Mechanicus, which is the most used by a large margin, but only has a 47% win percentage. Uh, and then um, Space Marines, Ultramarines, and uh, Raven Guard. Both, well, Raven Guard have a 38% win percentage, and Ultramarines have a 40% win percentage. And it, it, it's just really interesting because I see all these guys, they're, they're obviously bringing these lists and, and do, not doing well with them because their win percentages are lower, but they still continue to bring these same factions. And so I just wonder if like if maybe people are just buying into the whole, like, this is the only good thing in my book mentality and they're not innovating more. Or maybe people are innovating and they're just not, they're just not, you know, the results are even worse. Um but I don't know. There was one guy in Nova who I think went sixty percent with with, uh, with Minotaurs, right? And he did all right. And then obviously Reese did really well with uh, with his lists. And Reese actually kicks butt down here with White Scars, which is really strange. Um, but uh, if there's one thing I can get from all that data, it's that maybe you guys, if something isn't working, um, instead of continuing to run like Styges, for example, and Admic, uh, maybe look at something else. Maybe look at another faction uh, or a different avenue. Um, you know, just, uh, <laughs> if your army sucks, out of the box. get a different army. Good advice. <laughs> if your army, if your army, if you specifically, if your faction, if your faction sucks, you try mean your sub faction. If your sub, as, as the Warhammer Citadel set, said, uh, what a great opportunity to start a new army. It's <laughs> <laughs> also true. <laughs> oh, get some termite drills. <laughs> <laughs> now available in a U.S. web card. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of disappointed by by some of these these factions get being so low per, when, in terms of win percentages. Um, <clears throat> but uh, we'll, we'll see. GW GW has access to all these stats too, so so maybe they'll change something. Probably not in chapter approved because I imagine chapter approved is already done by now. It's it's chapter, chapter approved was probably done like two months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Probably done before the big fact. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Probably already went to print. 
Yeah, one thing I'll say about the subfaction stuff, just to touch on something, and it's 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 uh, when you talk about like high fleet kraken, the reason why it's so popular is it is amazingly strong, but it's just very difficult to play, and that's mm. really all it comes down to, right? Because it's it's a movement heavy army, and uh, I think a lot of people kind of may have gotten used to not needing to be so careful about their movement. And just like your amazing podcast on the movement phase uh, approved, like it's it is the most important phase in the game. And if, if you're not if you're not uh, if you're not like if you're not dead on watching everything you're doing, and you double move your gene stealers and you know advance them a million times so you get your whatever seven hundred thousand inches turn one, but you misplace them, that you've lost the game, right? And that's kind of just how it is with Kraken. So. It's it's but it's a it's an easy rule though, isn't it? As to see why some of those factions aren't played. They're all equally costed, but they all have an they all have a, a an unequal power level. They're all free, but some are better than others. So yeah, so and some are obviously better than others, right? Yeah, and that it's something yeah. that probably is not going to get addressed anytime soon. I, I'm I'm sure chapter approved may I shouldn't say I'm sure. I would love to see chapter proof cover a couple of them. You know, the like the ones that super stick out, like why Ally Talk seems well now all the way, but mostly Ally Talk seems to be the only sub faction for um, Assyriani. Um, that might be a thing someone should probably look at. <laughs> but <laughs> all right, any 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 final nuggets to pull out of this thing? Maybe uh, I have a, I have a question for for Rob. Mm. Uh, looking at all these factions, what is the patented honest wargamer take on the 40k meta now that you've heard all these stats everyone duck <laughs> uh i same things that we say on the show um eldar just i mean ease of use people saying things like it's a really fragile army i just think you're an idiot uh i think that they're <laughs> so so over the top um it's too good too easy to you know like Pablo I could hear in your voice and you genuinely were like it's a shame these factions aren't getting played or these sub factions aren't getting played it's just like when you can just redeploy your army and shoot at like no minuses and move 46 inches when you break every phase of the game what do you expect as a result and then the knights my advice anyone listening if you're not a big tournament gamer just go buy yourself three nights go to tournaments and have a great time that's like it's just it's just fun right I can't, I can't get over how over the top easy it is to win with knights. A uh, guy on the show, Nikos, who does it with me on a Thursday, he he took, he went to two heats back to back. Me and him here at, at big old Warhammer World. He went a bloodletter bomb, really stressful every game, down to the wire. Won most of his games. Next tournament just took three knights. I've never seen a more calm and collected individual. He was just like, <laughs> like I, I feel like he needed a, like a dressing gown. I was like, how's your game? He was like, yeah, it was over 45 minutes. I was like, who won? He's like, who cares? Like, we just shot. It was done. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, so we got to add, we got to add bringnights.com yeah, to, uh, the, to our show sponsors. It's just so easy, right? Um, and that's, that's, that's for me. I think 40k is a, a great game and it's a, in an, in a really interesting place. But like we said at the top of the stats, not in a, a very surprising place, unless you guys disagree. I don't think these stats are surprising and I don't think the results are no. surprising. And yet not people not. will still give a shit about the sample size. <laughs> we don't know enough. Such, guarantee it. Such is life, and and you know what? I'm gonna be. I'm gonna try to get in before somebody posts in the comments that uh, you need to get rid of allies. 
um, because it's it's ruining the game. Um, it isn't. It's it's super hard to balance, but it's so much more fun. That's it. And just like like Rob was talking about with Imperial Knights being fun, that that's they're just so much more fun. I don't want to play pure. And that's about it. That's all I want to say. Peter the Falcon swooping in from the soapbox. Yeah, I don't care. I don't care. In. What you, in the end, like I, I understand where you're coming from because it is. It's, it is really brutal to see the same lists always win because you can take the best of everything. And I understand it. I do stats. It's, it's very obvious that if you give somebody more options, chances are it'll be better. But it's just so much more fun. I like reading my, my Warhammer 40k novels and then being like, I can make that a list, and then just mm. get trounced. Love it. <laughs> Love it all day. <laughs> To, to play devil's advocate here a little bit, Pete, because I no, actually I agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, is, is, uh, it, it's, I think people are less angry at, at allies and the, the ally, the ally kind of system and more angry at the fact that, uh, you know, Xenos factions don't have those options. I agree. So, so it's unfair. Um, and that's not something that we can we can fix, unfortunately. That's something GW Crute Mercenaries. Come on, yep. GW. Let's get, get a Crute Codex. Get get it. Let's get a it. Catan Codex, where Catan are the same points as Grotz, but have the same abilities. I think that would right. be appropriate, right? All right. Yeah. I think just also another way to look at it too is like you you can look at tournament before you can. We could probably start doing that with with some of these numbers as. You know, there's really five factions, right? You got, and and one of them is at a real competitive disadvantage, and that's that's the filthy Xenos. Um, but like, you know, there's Eldari, Chaos, and Imperium, and I meant to say four factions. Um, <laughs> and um, <laughs> totally screwed up my point. But that's I think that's probably the way to do it. And and like when you look at it from that frame of that lens, and I think that's kind of isn't that kind of how Sigmar is, Rob? Yes, or am I wrong? Exactly. Yeah. It, it, it is, um, uh, and same with Imperium. You've obviously got Order and Imperium, and that's got the largest kind of like model holdover. So you've got the biggest faction percentage. But there is more. Um, uh, there's more of a spread, mm. realistically, with, I mean the- with the results. There's there's an out and out ah. favorite currently. There's an out and out favorite, right. um, but I would say that's not down to uh, a functionality problem with the army. In what it can do, it's more in people haven't built to stop it. Whereas, like playing against Eldar, as my example, um, you really do have to think about how am I going to stop their functionality and all of the yeah. functional like functionality they have to stop me trying to stop their functionality. Uh, whereas with Sigma, the kind of out and out winner at the minute, which is Doors of Cain, um, right. you just have to. We people just need to learn to chaff better and play better. Like that's. For me, my opinion there, or more shooting will deal with it. Um, so I don't think that there's necessarily the same. There's uh, and there's more of a spread. There's definitely like because um, I, I guess where I was driving is like when you look at those four factions, mm. they're they're roughly represented in the field um, in the same proportions as they have the amount of sub factions. So it's like a lot of people say like, well, everyone plays Eldari or everyone plays knights. Well, that's not even close to true. You know, like as far as like the diversity in in the list that you're seeing out there, mm. there is still a tremendous amount of factions being played. Whether or not they're having success, like the success is the next part. But it is interesting to me that you know, despite Eldari having like such a massive competitive advantage, mm. like you're really only seeing like I think you know you're saying like they have a win button. Actually, I think they're kind of a pain in the ass to play because they they you you can't really screw up with them. But the armies that are harder to screw up, like knights. Um, like they're fifteen percent of the meta. Like they're like miles ahead of anybody else. Yeah. 
So like that to me is is like is that's probably overall for the health of the game probably the bigger danger than something that is underrepresented but always wins. Something that's overrepresented and always wins is probably more unhealthy. That's super over centralizing, yeah. Yeah, like the, and 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 fourteen percent actually. That's really interesting, as in their representation, because that's a little bit higher than the the biggest representation in Sigma. Whereas the the Thousand Suns, um, there's something similar in Sigma where you have with the Ardeneth Deepkin, where they're kind of rocking around that like two to three percent representation, but their win rates are not as high, not that fourteen percent win rate of Thousand Suns, but um, something similar. Uh, so it's interesting. There are like those unique uh armies that are not not very well documented as in being popular but do very well Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. on a side note rob do you think Mm. there's some pub somewhere where destruction and xenos players are just sitting over their pints (laughs) crying no they are not crying they're drinking a lot and they're rowing with each other and having a great time okay that's weird in age of sigmar (laughs) where do where do the orcs uh fall in oh maybe um orcs main uh so iron jaws uh they're just a little bit below 50 percent in the amount of games that you'll win um, but i mean like what what sort of are they order are they what, oh, like, the destruction. are they destruction what was oh they're destruction yeah, yeah. destruction oh, oh, okay oh okay. and destruction as... is the worst got it yeah yes. destruction is super like at the most recent tournament oh actually the biggest heat the biggest, well a really important tournament just happened there were out of 84 top tier players um uh, there were, I think there was maybe eight destruction, the entire faction. So that's a quarter of, kind of, you know, the the four factions. So one, there was only eight players. Well, it wasn't even that. I think it was six, in fact. Yeah, and I think at a, a, Adepticon, the largest Age of Sigmar singles event, um, I think there were only two destruction players yeah. that that had multiple wins. Like, or, I, I guess. <laughs> Two or more wins, um, but, and both of them ended. In, and do they in play the each other? Percent, <laughs> right? Just to, however, yeah, there, it, there have been destruction armies that have gone two and zero. Oh. Uh, sorry, five and zero. Oh. Um, <laughs> like, sorry, there, there have been there, ha- there are players who can play them um, and have gone five and zero oh a couple of times since the game's inception. So, like, it, really interesting. It's, I'm loving reading this. I can't wait to pour through all of this later and start to like. Um, really start pulling the information out as well. It's really cool. Draw similarities. Yeah. yeah. 40kstats.com. Yeah. Oh, and one last thing. Yeah. Uh, just to go over that uh, with the destruction thing. Uh, we also know, guys, and this is to the general public, that um, just because we've said something is not good um, doesn't mean that you don't have a friend that is the best player in that faction. Um, and I'm not saying that facetiously either, either. There's just some guys that can dominate with Grey Knights. And, yep, that's great. It's just like in general, it's not happen. Nobody. That was a that was a really extreme example. <laughs> I'm really okay. Theoretical. Can win someone with could watch. dominate. With, with, <laughs> so in a in a, in a comped in a heavily comped tournament of only YouTube uh, stars, Lawrence Baker, the hero of LVO 2016, took Grey Knights and just busted his balls to a three and two record. <laughs> and that was a mono faction, uh, like like battalion and battalion only comp so there's a recent tournament that they did have two gray knights players go like four and one uh, but they didn't post their lists on on in bcp they're like Uh-oh. the only two lists call them out tournament i couldn't get I, i'd have to i don't want to go back through my data. what's the so much. tournament if you if you were a gray knight player and you went four and one find the other gray knight player who went four and one <laughs> they may have been related because i think they had post the same your list. list so it's uh it's quite possible <laughs> 
I, Turns I, I out they uh, they just entered their faction in wrong. It was Yanari the whole time. Right. I have a, I, I have a, I have a question. Um, you know, like th- that sliding scale between those two arguments of uh, the stats say that these armies are good and these armies are bad, and people don't play these armies, um, and they could be better or played better. Um, how much do you think that the stats or the argument sits, you know, between one and the other? Does that make sense as a percentage? Does that uh, is what I'm asking? Rephrase the sense? question. Okay, so there are so, I mean, there are two ends. There are the stats are perfectly representative of the game as it is, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then there's the stats are just great pieces of information for us to learn from. Is the other end, mm-hmm. and there are armies that could beat. Yinari all day long, every day, but people just aren't playing them. Which do you think is more true, and along that sliding scale? The second one. There's there's definitely combinations that we have not found yet that that can be medalists now. There, I'm 100% sure that they exist. We haven't found them, and, and we don't have the player base to find them, unfortunately. But if, if Brood War, StarCraft Brood War, can have innovation after 20 years of being basically the same game... Um, you you know a game like 40k as nuanced and intricate as 40k can certainly have lists that that no one's found yet. Like, uh, you know, just the other day I was thinking about um 18 someone running 18 uh chicken walkers, Sicarian, uh, what are they called? Dragoons? The Sidonian dragoons. Like 18 18 Sidonian dragoons is is less than a thousand points, or is around a thousand points. And it, that's 18 T5 models with like a billion attacks that are that are pretty can be pretty durable, especially if you can make them styges. Can you and put them you in termites? Points of something else. No, I did. I, I I ran that list. Well, I ran I ran 15. Well, it's that that's the thing though is everyone who's like, oh, I ran that list. I'm like, how many did you run? And they're like, well, there's 60 bucks a model, so I only ran like 15. Well, you didn't run the full 18. Oh no, yeah, you're right. You're right. So, so like, the way I the way I like to conceptualize that question is like. In finance, you have stock markets, right? And there's a there's a theory, like there's a hypothesis that stock mar- the stock markets are efficient because there's just so many players in the game that there's you know like um, the val- the true value of a company is represented by its stock price. But the the reality of that is is like the long term value of a company is probably um, established uh, via its stock price. What I mean by that is in the in the short term. Um, things can be overvalued via hype, like you might look at a stock. And I'm not. This is not investment advice at all. But if you yes, look at is. like tech, <laughs> if you look at something like uh, if you look at something like a tech company, something like Tesla. Tesla doesn't actually have the fundamentals to support its share price, but the belief is that in the future it will. Right. So that's what the markets have decided about something like that stock. And so you can see this saying. You can use that a little analogy and you can apply it to 40k. Um, these are probably, or these stats probably are pretty represent representative of of what is the best possible thing to play. However, there are going to be edge cases, and there are going to be areas to innovate. Just like you said with with Star uh, with with Starcraft Brood Wars, there are definitely ways to approach the game differently. What this really helps you with is to figure out what is it that everyone else thinks, and you can see what everyone else thinks, and then you can be your your you can you can go put your Reese Richard Robbins mask on or your Sean Naden cap on and you can go out there and you you know you have a good idea without playing a single game of what sort of things you need to be building for and preparing for and that's what this is cool about this doesn't mean that you automatically win a tournament with Yanari it means that 
you're probably going to run into Yanari, and they have a pretty good chance of just beating the average list. So that's that's what I think the stats are really good for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and I can't wait for orcs to come out. Orcs are orc players have 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 had a full year, more than a full year of of eighth edition and and a year of codex eighth edition um, to analyze and look at what the best lists are. And so as soon as orc players are going to get their codex, they're just going to hit the ground running. And there are a lot of really, really good top-tier orc players who just haven't been playing in games because they haven't had a codex. I don't like the sound of that one bit. Uh, I'd like the faction to myself, so if everyone who's really good at 40k could just not play orcs, and uh, I'll just take my rules advantage. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it- and and I think I think you're better than you give yourself credit for Val, but um. No, I probably give myself too much credit, uh, Pablo. <laughs> well, we'll see. We've yet to play a game, Val. I, I would I would love to play a game and prove you incorrect. Let's get Figure smashed. It. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, dot dot dot. White ellipses. <laughs> Val's a grower, not a shower. That's what we've learned. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you very much, Rob and Pete and Val, for coming on. Um, Rob, if someone wanted to hear more of your cheeky British banter, where would they go? <laughs> www.dickpills.com. <laughs> That's actually our customer service website. It's www.suckmytimedick.com. Um, <laughs> <laughs> feel free to email us all suggestions. Uh, yeah, The Honest Wargamer, uh, which can be found basically anywhere on the internet. Twitch is where we do our show. And for 30Ks, we do Thursdays, uh, which is cool. It's our it's our year birthday Monday tomorrow, uh, which is quite exciting. So we've been at, oh, hey, all right. Yeah. So the, the day that this episode airs, it's going to be your birthday. No, yep. thank so you very cool, much. Man. I... And uh, yeah, we've got loads of exciting stuff coming up in the future. There's a podcast if you want to listen to that. Uh, we do a Sigma 40k. We uh, slowly. Uh, I used to do live stream coverage, and we've got. I think I have now five events next year alone that I'll be doing wow. shoutcasting from uh, Australia, America, Ireland, the UK. Uh, so yeah, quite exciting. Um, uh, Where are you going stateside? Uh-huh. Uh huh. Adepticon. We're- I'll be at Adepticon. Amazing. Uh, which is fun. And then uh, we have we're, we're also hosting our first tournament here in the UK, uh, which is homebrew knights only battle. Knights only allowed. Uh, so we're changing a couple of rules. Alternating activation of night battles. Uh, we'll be live streaming that. That'll be on the 29th of December. So that'll be on the Honest Wargamer. So if you just want to watch just knights battling it out all day long. Um, you can check Does that, that out. Does that include Wraith Knights? Oh, so season one, so we're running as a season, it's called the League of Knights. So um, uh, we're running, I think we're running seven or eight in the first season. And then uh, season two will come out. And we're, we're experimenting, we're probably going to do Xenos maybe in season two. Um, just because we want to make sure that we don't make any mistakes. Because um, we want it to be just pretty easy pick up and go. But it should be pretty fun. Uh, we're doing some cool terrain, um, and we're making our own packs, and there'll be a website, and you'll be able to track people's progress, and there'll be like a finals and all sorts of stuff. Plus, it's really fun. Nights. You've got to paint. You got to paint like no, no grey knights. <laughs> and like my knights only. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and my girlfriend thought that they were real, like Arthurian knights. And when we were buying <laughs> scenery, she's like, "That's big for a knight," and I was like, "Oh no, the robot. Oh no." This is this is going to take. Long. How much do you actually want to know? Because this could be a long conversation. <laughs> she, I told her, and she was very sweet and listened. I didn't think she overly was bothered, but she listened, which was sweet. So yeah, just any of those places if you want to come and check it out. And I do prefer it when people watch the shows because I love hearing what people say. So like, you type in the chat, ask us questions. That's my favorite. 
Right on. I showed up once. It was fun. Mm, good. Thanks. So if, you want to, cool. if, if you want to, if you want to check out uh, Bretonian Knights versus Green Knights in Rob Knight's <laughs> only tournament, now that's a good matchup. <laughs> that oh, one I think would work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then, uh, of course, Rob. Uh, I'm sorry, not Rob. A uh, Peter. Pete um, started his own website, 40kstats.com. Pete, is there any, any other cool tidbits about your website? Where can people reach you? Uh, well, no, you can reach me right via the website. I've got a little contact us at the bottom. If there's certain stats that you're interested in seeing that maybe I'm not showing, I, I, I do uh, take that into account. Val messages me like once a month with like, wouldn't it be cool if we could have like the average amount of times a Gene Steeler Colts uh, player rolled a four in round three of a tournament, and then I that's not fair. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I get all sorts, and and I do my best. Like earlier, you wanted uh, to see like a little better on the the. Uh, tournament like uh, list composition so knights plus militarum how they fat fare and that's something i can easily put together if someone wanted to see that um but yeah 40k 40k stats.com not to be confused with dickpills.com uh, you can uh, take a look there um also i'd like to give a big shout out to uh, bobby sinat for helping me out getting the uh, battle for salvation uh, numbers he did a lot of work for me since it, it uh, had disappeared into the ether and uh, a shout out to my guys on the East Coast at Level Up Wargaming. They've been uh, building up a little club out there, and they're doing a wicked job running RTTs. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's about it. Wicked. And I'll do one last shout out to our bros at Best Coast Pairings, who supply all the data that we mine and steal from. For sure. Right. Without yeah. you, none of this would be possible. Yeah. So if you would like to check out Best Coast Pairings, FrontlineGaming.org, Broken Egg Games, or any of our other sponsors go to frontlinegaming.org uh, your tabletop gaming place for all things 40k just click on chapter tactics just put google frontline gaming 40k podcast chapter tactics and any combination look for my podcast go into the show notes and click on any of the notes for this specific episode i will be posting the link to both peter stats and the link to the iron halo visual stats as well as honest wargamer rog rob on not honest wargamer rog rob although you, that's my you, alter ego he's even yeah, more that's a honest. good handle that's yeah. rog. <laughs> rog the orc um uh you're welcome by the way um <laughs> if you want to you want to link if you want to if you want to check him out there'll be a link there and you can check out all of the chapter tactics episodes in the show notes as well so if you want to listen catch up on some old chapter tactics episodes maybe our alpha strike episode which is episode number one which i listened to with frankie it's still not bad it's still it's a little dated but in terms of alpha strikes we're, we're pretty we're pretty generic and pretty good about what an alpha strike is um <clears throat> or you can email me FrontlineGamingPDPOB at gmail.com. If you have any questions, if you have lists to review, uh, I've been pretty bad about reviewing lists lately. Uh, I recently mm. got a string of like a lot of, of lists of factions I just don't know anything about. Um, mm. So, so I've, I, you know, it's been it's a little spin a little slow, but you can still send me those lists. So I'll get to them when I can. And of course, you can always ask me any questions if you have any questions about tournaments near your area, uh, any TO problems. Um, tactics things anything anything 40k tournament related uh, i get tons of questions i get them asked every day and i also have a unique position that i'm in the itc and i can answer a ton of questions i'm in a position to answer a ton of questions so shoot me an email and um if you want to talk to val you can also shoot me an email and maybe i'll put you in contact with him too or whoa, whoa. You, you can if you want to talk to val directly dickpills.com 
dickpills.com. I actually went and checked. That's actually a website, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> Send right, them an email. We need some uh, money here. This has been <laughs> they're gonna get a so lot of Meanwhile, at Dick Pills HQ, what the hell's going on? We're blowing up today. Oh yeah, uh, We've gotten dozens of hits, <laughs> tens of hits, <laughs> tens of hits. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, you guys are the best listeners forever. As always, I'm your host, Petey Pob. Chapter Tactics out. <laughs>